0: What does the resurrection mean? We know what the resurrection is. We celebrate it. We sing about it. We read about it. Jesus Christ came out of the tomb. But what does it mean to us now? We have an annual holiday to celebrate it. In fact, we celebrate it every week. Every Sunday morning we gather together to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is risen. The fact of Christ's resurrection is woven into everything that we believe as Christians. But what does it really mean? The fact that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came back to life. What does that mean to me today? Well, folks were asking that very same question 2,000 years ago. First believers had real questions about the meaning of the resurrection. They believed the resurrection completely. Many of them saw Jesus. It was a fact you could not dispute. Jesus had risen from the grave. And then he had ascended into heaven. They knew that. But they also knew that meant Jesus wasn't with them physically now. Things were bad. They were going through some real struggles. They they were facing some real temptations. And so they were asking, what does the resurrection mean? And so the Apostle Paul, writing to Colossian believers, tells them. And I believe this is what the Apostle Paul would tell us today if we were to ask him the same question recorded in the scripture in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I hope this morning all of us will leave this place with a fresh new understanding that the resurrection means we need to look up. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we don't have anywhere else to look but up. Because in that moment, we recognize our sinfulness. We, We recognize how far we have fallen from what God wants us to be. And in desperation, we call out to Jesus to forgive us, to cleanse us, to make us right with God. And He does. He has paid in full for all of our sin. And when we receive Him as our Savior, when we follow Him as our Lord, He takes away all of our guilt, all of our shame, and makes us brand new. When we receive Christ, we realize there's nowhere else to look but to Him. But then life happens. We go back to work, we go back to school. We go back into the difficult home life that we're experiencing. We go back into the temptation-filled neighborhood where we live. And life gets messy. At first we try to share our faith, but our, our friends and relatives, they don't seem to be as interested as we thought they would be. We see other believers who aren't living what you would call a model life. And then we face temptation ourselves. And we are devastated when we stumble. We start to think, you know, what does this all mean? I'm just a hypocrite. Everybody else just a hypocrite. Why should they even try? That's apparently what was happening to the believers that Paul's writing in what we call the letter to the Colossians the struggles and disappointments of life were taking their toll in their hearts. Combined with the terrible persecution that many of them as believers were facing, it was a tremendous problem. It was a real question. What do we do when life gets complicated? When life isn't fair? What do we do when we've blown it? And so Paul tells them, Look up. Here's how he puts it. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. When you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been raised with Christ. We possess... New life now. Not just someday in the sweet by and by. We know Jesus today. And that's where our focus should be. Not on our failures. Not on the failures of others. Not on the trials that this world will undoubtedly bring. And so the Bible says, aim high. Set your goal on Christ. Christ. Far too often, we aim too low. When I was learning how to shoot a bow and arrow, I was at an RA camp. Now, many of you know what RAs are. It's kind of the Baptist Boy Scouts. But we were, had been taken out to a campground. We were spending a week out there. And, and our leader was trying to teach a bunch of nine-year-old boys how to shoot a bow and arrow. I salute all of those RA leaders, Boy Scout leaders, that teach nine-year-old boys how to shoot a bow and arrow. That's a scary thing. But he lined us all up. And one by one, we would come up. He'd set up a bullseye. And we'd take our turn trying to shoot this bow and arrow. There were several guys who had gone in front of me, and they did pretty well. They were hitting the target. They were doing doing all right. And I, I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was doing. So I got up there, and I got that bow. I pulled that arrow back, and I aimed right down the shaft of the arrow. I put the point of the arrow right in the center of the bullseye, pulled the bow back, and let that arrow fly. And it flew right into the ground 10 feet in front of the bullseye. So I said, wait a minute, let me have another turn, let me have another turn. So, so I, I got the arrow back and, and, and did it again. I looked right down the shaft of there, put the point right on the bullseye, pulled the arrow back, and it flew 15 feet away from the bullseye. And, and our leader came over and said, you know, I, I think I know what you're doing. Tell me how you're aiming. And so I told him, I'm looking right down the arrow, putting the point right in the bullseye. And he said, you know, your problem is this thing called gravity. Because when you shoot that arrow, gravity starts to pull it down toward the ground. And so to hit the bullseye, you've got to aim high. Way too often we miss the target because we're aiming too low. Unknowingly or or sometimes knowingly. We aim at the minimum of what we think our life should be. We think, you know, I could be a strong witness at work, but it probably wouldn't go over too well, so I don't want to be a bad witness, so I just won't say anything at all. I don't want to put anybody off. I don't want to do it wrong, so I just won't do anything. Or we think, you know, I haven't prayed yet today, and I really need to do that, but I've got a lot of stuff that I need to do right now, and and my favorite show is about to come on, and, and I'll do that a little bit later. Now, don't mishear what the Bible's saying here. Life in Christ is not just about a bunch of rules, things to check off that you have done. That looks at our relationship with Christ from the wrong direction. Life in Christ is not about what we do, life in Christ is about who we know. The thing is, when you understand that, When you understand that our belief is not in a list of rules, our belief is in a risen Savior, it changes our whole life. It changes how we live. Because our focus is no longer on us, on what we do, or on somebody else, on how they do it. Our focus is on Jesus. So the resurrection means we need to look up, to look at the face of the Savior. And then when we look up, we need to look it up. Here's what I mean by that. I, I learned fairly quickly not to ask my sixth grade teacher how to spell words. Because everyone who asked her how to spell a word, she would always say the same thing. You know where the dictionary is, look it up yourself. And I would think, well, if I don't know how to spell it, how about I go look it up in the dictionary? But I didn't say that out loud, so I knew that wasn't going to work. So I'd go find the dictionary and I'd look it up myself. In this chapter, Paul has taken the gospel, God's word, and he's put it into action. He's put feet to it. If we followed Christ as Savior, great. But what does that really mean? What does life in Christ look like? Let's look it up. Paul spells it out here. Now, actually, in the verses that follow, he spells it out very specifically. But he starts here in verse 3 with a general principle and an overall truth. Here's what he writes. Verse 3, for you died... And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. As believers, we don't just live looking forward one day to be with Christ in heaven. Now, we do. We do look forward to that. That's going to be great. But that's not all being a believer is about. Because when you know Christ, you live in the reality that your old life died in Christ. And that now you live in the life of a resurrected Savior. And your life is hidden with Jesus. Now, the word that's translated as hidden. It's a difficult word to translate into English. That word hidden, I don't know about you, but in my mind, that that brings to mind somebody playing hide-and-seek or or hiding something under your bed or putting something at the back of the closet so nobody will get whatever it is. That's the idea that it brings to me. And it does mean that it's protected, but this word means so much more than that. It's a word that means secure or locked away or protected. Or more significantly, it's a word that can also mean together. What would your grandmother always tell you when, when you were doing something you weren't supposed to do? She, she'd look at you and she'd say, now What would you do if Jesus saw you doing that? Well, that was more true than we might like to admit. Because the reality is, he sees everything. But it doesn't stop there. Here's what Paul's telling us. He says, Jesus is not some God way up in the sky, pointing his finger at us, saying, You ought to be doing this. So, Jesus is here. Right now. Our Savior lives in us. And is that really what you would want Jesus to see you doing? (laughs) Would you want Jesus to see you responding in anger to someone just because you didn't get your way? Would you want Jesus to see you walking away when you see that opportunity for ministry? Would you want Jesus to see what you're reading or what you're watching or what you're listening to? Now, now, now don't feel guilty. That's not what Paul's trying to do here with the Colossian believers. It's not what the Bible's trying to do for us. Again, remember, being a believer, following Christ, it's not a list of rules. It's not about what you do. It's about who you know. It's not a guilt thing. It's an encouragement. So much of what we do when we step outside of God's command, it is centered around a deep-seated belief that we can't do it. We're just not up to it. Because we know we can't. But when you know Christ, it's not about what you can do. When you know Jesus, His Spirit lives in you. He does what we cannot. Since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Heavenly Father, help us to realize this truth on this Easter Sunday morning as we celebrate the resurrection, as we realize the significance of this incredible reality that we don't just worship a set of philosophies. We serve a risen Savior. God, encourage us. Help us to see that (laughs) you didn't come here to make us feel guilty. You didn't come here to knock us down. You came here to raise us up. And we thought it couldn't be done. We know the failures in our own life, but but God, You proved it can be done when You brought Your Son out of the tomb. So, Heavenly Father, I pray that You would convince us of that this morning. But that's not just something we sing about. That's something that's true. God, help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.